welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. We are in number 22 of The Hero Within. Doc Ryan asked me the other day, he called me, he said, so what are you on, like 4,077? I said, shut up. It's only 22. I said, we got Q&A Sundays. We got healing Sundays. We've got guest ministers. I travel. We got, I'm like, he's like, oh, really? Only 20? It was last week. So only 21? I said, yeah. He's like, you've been doing it for like 12 years. I'm like, that church isn't even 12 years. Uh, I, I will tell you that the end is in sight. I know, I know exactly, it has, been, it has been concreted in my heart exactly what the Lord wants me to talk about next. Not that that means that it ends today or tomorrow. There's still, there's still two or three things that I'm honestly building my own courage to preach because some of them are pretty dicey. And I, and I know that all of you love me while you're looking at me, but I can see behind your eyes. And some of you are like, hey, 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 don't, don't go there. Um, so I need to kind of go there. I need your permission. So, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll all grow and develop together. So we still got a few more things that we need to do about the hero within, but I know exactly where we're headed next. But until then, God is looking for true heroes that are going to be a part of this great awakening that are going to fly into, in a supernatural way, dark dangerous, evil places, and rescue people. And these heroes are not going to be concerned about their income. They're not going to be concerned about their looks. They're not going to be concerned about their, their awesome legacy. They're not going to be concerned about public opinion, including Facebook. They're going to be concerned about being a hero for their father. And I believe that I'm standing in front of a group that has at least embraced that idea. And I believe that many of you are purposefully tracking that direction. And I applaud you. And God is well pleased in you. If you're not, I pray that by the end of today that you're one step closer Psalm 16.3 says that the godly people, this is God speaking, the godly people in the land, they are my true heroes. God's looking for true heroes. Remember that Jesus said that God is looking, searching for the true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know what's inferred in that statement by the Lord Jesus Christ? The super, super grace, love, you know, fluffy-haired, pet-in-a-sheep guy on the back of the Sunday school wall? He's inferring that there are non-true worshipers. I'll just look at the camera. All those are the people that are 
shouting me. There's the standing ovation out there in YouTube land. If God's looking for true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth, that means there was a bunch of non-true worshipers who were trying to worship him in flesh, emotion, soul. Please consider the idea just because you got a tear flowing doesn't mean you're in the spirit. Anybody? We don't measure God based upon our emotions. Amen. Like, oh man, I'm, I'm really feeling God right now. Or you got gas. <laughs> Just because you got some physical thing going on with you or some emotional thing going on with you, please don't boil God down to that. I feel happy today, so God's really here. I feel sad today, so where's God at? Can, can we at least agree that he's bigger than your ability to have emotional encounters? Now, does that mean that he doesn't want you to have an emotional encounter? No, of course not. He wants you to be blessed in every realm that there is a blessing available. But all I'm saying is let us stop doing that thing to where we call emotional encounters God. The spirit realm is above the soul realm. And sometimes your soul and your spirit are not in alignment. They are not in unity. They are not in congruency. And you need to call the God part the God part. That's the spirit part. So there are times that we're worshiping him in our soul. I don't think that he's mad. He's not saying, well, that stupid kid is just worshiping me in regular old human love. He's not, that's not God. But I'm saying that he's really pressing us to get into things that go past our emotions, that go past our soul, that get into the true, the, the deep, the authentic part, the center of who we are. That's the part. And it might, it might look wheels off. You could be laying on the floor prostrate before, the God, before God in a puddle of tears. Or you could, be move, you could be sitting there and nobody knows what's happening and all of heaven is exploding in the center of you. What I'm saying is let us not boil down the things of the spirit to the things of our eyes and the things of our souls. God is looking for true heroes, which means they're not going to look like the heroes that we think. They're not going to have capes on. They're not going to have bulging biceps. They're, they're not going to be young and have perfect skin. And sorry for all you young people that are perfect in every way. God is going to be looking for people that can come into a situation in human camouflage so that nobody knows. Well, if God was going to show up, it wouldn't look like Donna. Really? That means Donna is the perfect one to show up into that situation. Well, if God was going to come, he wouldn't be old. He wouldn't be ugly. For all of you ugly people, God can use you. Me too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we all think we're ugly anyway. Uh, what, whatever you have that you think disqualifies you, maybe that's the exact thing 
that's going to get you into the door of some place that you wouldn't have gotten without that thing. I know I just did a circle right there, but please hear that. Some of the things that are different, AI is a big deal right now. Uh, and I, I believe that the kingdom of God is working on, I know Andrew Torba, he's the guy that started and founded Gab, and he's, he's a uh, fervent Christian. And Gab is working on their own AI. I've actually used it a little bit. It's kind of fun. But it's an AI programmed godly instead of the AI that's pro, uh, chat, GPT, or whatever it's called, is literally programmed leftist. They've, they've actually interviewed him, and he's a leftist. So they programmed him to be a leftist, or her, or it, whatever it is. <clears throat> and AI is something that is becoming, it's going to be another one of those realms that we're going to have to deal with because... Uh, they're just expanding human knowledge as quickly as they possibly can. And the reason I say that is, how can you tell if something is artificial? How can you tell if something is fake? It's perfect. It's perfect. Their eyes, the fake AI people, their eyes are perfectly balanced. Their, their face is perfectly chiseled. They're, Everything about them is perfect. You know, when we were kids, um, uh, Ju is it Julia Roberts with the thing on her? Uh, what? Oh, Cindy Crawford, Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford had a thing on her chin or cheek or I don't even remember. Like K. Like, yeah, like K, like my supermodel. And <clears throat> I remember girls when I was, this might not have been high school, it might have been before that, but I remember girls buying from the store a little doohickey <laughs> that they would stick on themselves, which was really weird for the boys, because I'm like, hey, where'd that thing come from? <laughs> Wasn't there yesterday, and it's there today. For some reason, I'm more attracted to you today because of that black spot on your face. <laughs> but what made Cindy, that it stood out. What stood out about Cindy Crawford, what made, one of the things that made her beautiful was the imperfection. Oh man, I hope you hear this. You think it's the perfection about you that is attractive. And so you're always working for the perfection instead of realizing that it's the imperfections of you that make you human, that make you attractive. God loves to use your imperfections because it proves that it was done by the power of God. Amen. If you were perfect, well, then people could argue, you could even argue people like, hey, I did this because I'm perfect. But when people know that you're imperfect and they see your imperfections and God still uses you, you know, that, tell, that inspires people like, man, if God can use Justin, I mean, of all the people that God would use, Justin? The worse you are. The more it speaks to the God part. A couple of months ago, six months, maybe a year, it, it was a while, I bumped into somebody that I went to high school from at Walmart. <laughs> These are always fun things. When they, when they haven't seen me since high school, they're always like, yo, bro. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I was that stupid once too. And they could not. 
They thought I was legitimately lying. I, I don't think when I walked away from the conversation that they actually believed that I was telling them the truth, that I was a preacher, <laughs> that I travel the world. People actually want to hear me on other continents, things that I have to say about God, for God, that I've seen the dead raised, that I've seen blind eyes healed. I have, I have stood in front of somebody uh, before and said that, you know, I was testifying to the things of God, and I said, yeah, I've seen the dead raised, and they said, no, you haven't. <laughs> Were you there? <laughs> no, you haven't. Yeah, I have. No, you haven't. How are we arguing about this? It's like them telling you what color your pillow is. or something. Have you been there? No. Have you touched it? No. Have you seen it? No. But I can tell you what it, no, you can't. You weren't there. It's like, I can give you the name and phone number of the guy. No, you can't. People won't believe. Are you following me? It's the imperfect, you can't believe that Steve Castle's seen that. I know Steve. If God was going to use someone, it would be Steve. <laughs> the more you believe that, the more inspired you should be. Because God does use me. Not because of me, in spite of me. It's not my human characteristics that God's like, yes, I was looking for that exact kind of USDA choice flesh to use in my kid. No, he's like, that'll work. I got to ride a donkey into town anyway. Might as well be Steve. I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with being the donkey that Jesus is riding into people's life because when they see you're coming like, ah, oh, look, it's just an old donkey. Boo! Jesus is here. Amen. Are you sick? Well, yeah. Well, I, got, I brought the guy that heals the sick. I, I'm, we're incognito heroes. That, that came right out of heaven right there. Incognito heroes. We're going to get t-shirts. We're going to walk around. Incognito hero. The godly people in the land, they are our true heroes. And God takes pleasure in them. And we're going to get a little bit deeper into this, into this pleasure part because I think it's important for me to untangle some some apostasy that is, that is trying to creep into even some of your hearts. And so I pray that this goes well. Colossians 1.27, God did this. He put a hero on the inside of you. God did this because he wanted you, beloved. I know it says Gentiles, that's because you're not using your eyes of the Spirit. It actually says beloved. God did this because he wanted you, beloved, to understand his wonderful and glorious mystery. He wants you to understand this. It goes back to Q&A, what I was just talking about. You have questions, he's got answers. He wants you to understand stuff. And that he wants you to understand the mystery specifically. And it's a glorious mystery. And that mystery is that Christ lives in you. Amen. Not will live. Mm -hmm. Not if you get it all figured out, he'll show up. Christ lives in you. He's Breathing the air, if there's such a thing, right now on the inside of you. <laughs> While you're, you talk about incognito, 
Some of you are struggling to believe it while I'm saying it. The Bible says it, and you're struggling. I don't know if he really lives in there. He might visit, like we're on a dating relationship. No, he lives there. He made the inside of you a temple that he has determined to eternally dwell. Now, you might not know about the temple. In, in all of the times that you spend in your heart, you might be going to Six Flags instead of going to the temple. But there's a temple on the inside of you, and Jesus is in there. And all of the glory of heaven, all of the power of the resurrection, all of the created, creative energy that made the universe is right there. Two inches below the exterior of your skin is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And I know that that makes people like, well, how do I get it out? <laughs> that's, the, that's the walk. That's our Christian journey. That is discipleship. That is God teaching us and training us. And, you know, you don't just go willing. You, I wouldn't give, like, uh, I got two children somewhere. And when they were born, I didn't say, okay, great, I got kids. Right? And they're going to be awesome like me. <laughs> I was waiting for a couple of amens, but whatever. <laughs> I know, I could have got two. I was, I was only looking for two, but... Shoo. And they're going to be awesome like me. And because they're going to be awesome and they're going to be faithful and they're going to be trustworthy and they're going to be mature and they're going to have everything figured out, well, I'm just going to go ahead and give them the nuclear codes right now so that they can, if they need to, they can launch a nuclear bomb on anybody anytime they feel like it. No. No, God can't trust you as a one-year-old with the nuclear codes because you'll get mad at the transformer and then America will just disappear. Because we're not controlled, we're not mature, we're not grown up. And so to the degree that we can release it under the control of the Holy Spirit is to the degree that you get to use it. God's a father. Well, I don't like those rules. Ooh, I'm sorry. I didn't make the rules. I'm just telling you how they work. God will help you uh, will teach you, will disciple you, will mature you to release the amount of him that doesn't hurt or destroy you or hurt or destroy someone else. Some of you, the reason that you're, that you're not operating very far above the poverty level in finances is because God just can't trust you with money. Because you did stuff with money before that hurt you and hurt other people and so he's kind of slow playing this because man, if we just throw him if some of you won the lottery, I'd never see you again. You'd have a permanent residency in Las Vegas, and you'd be like, woo, thank you, Jesus. And I know you're sitting there, no, not me. I'm holy. I'm at Beloved Church. Okay. I have seen people, when money comes into their life, people that I thought their character was solid, and it is bad. God wants you to use all of this power. He's not keeping it from you because he doesn't like you. He's keeping it from you because he loves you. Yeah. 
He wants you to share in God's glory, not your glory, not some other thing. This is why the, Jesus has shown us that the way to the top is from the bottom. Humility is how the kingdom operates. You come in low. God, are you sure that you can trust me with this? Yeah, I'm really sure because you're humble. And you're going to do the right thing with it. And it's not about you. God can trust humble people. A defining characteristic of a courageous or a brave person is their submission to do the hard thing. Heroes do hard things. Humanity is hardwired for the heroic. The heroic is an, is an imprint that's been left on the inside of all of us because we're made in the image of God. This isn't something that you need to go out and get. You need to pray for having the, the nature of a hero on the inside of you. Because God is your father, because God is your creator, he imprinted already on the inside of you a hero. This is in you. This is in me. This is why when you see injustice, when you see things that are wrong in this world, you, you at least want to do something. Maybe you don't. Maybe you talk yourself out of it. Maybe your neighbor talks yourself out of you. Maybe your spouse talks you out of it. But there's something on the inside of you that at least wants to do something about it. That's the hero that wants to solve the problem. Man. I, I am fully convinced that there is a bunch of things that God has planted in people's hearts right here that it's going to take a hero for you to fulfill that. And he's speaking to you to be that hero. And maybe we're thinking, man, I wish somebody else would, uh, Rachel's here, and she has started a, a national network uh, to deal with the, the scourge, the curse of abortion that is taking place still in our nation. For those of you that think when Roe v. Wade went away, it just magically fixed everything, it actually made it worse because a bunch of these states doubled down. California is paying people. Illinois is paying people to come and have their babies murdered. And so she started a national network where she's dealing with this by putting, some of our people are gonna be a part of the network where they're gonna have a call center where these people, when they're in desperate situations, they can call a wheels off, hair on fire, godly person, usually a gal, who's also a nurse that can talk them into life. That was a hero on the inside of her that said, we should rescue babies. And I'll guarantee that I don't know, I don't know the testimony, but she probably had no money, no connections, no cool senator friends, no, none, of, none of the assets that you would think that you would need to have for God to tell you to do some national thing. Am I right? I'm, I'm just guessing here. Yeah. And she still did it. And God is no respecter of persons. 
He didn't look down from heaven and say, well, I mean, she's extra awesome. All the rest of you putzes, I ain't doing nothing with you. You're just filler. Are you following me? Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and I'm not going to preach on this in Jesus' name. But in our creation, we were made in the image and the likeness of God. That is no small thing, y'all. We were created to carry, to bear the image of God. I'm... I'm, I'm building messages along this line. I'm not there yet. I'm still getting all the formulation of the language. But when, when ungodly people make images, idols, they form this image of the thing that they want to see happen in their life. They form the image of the God that brings them financial wealth. I, I remember being in Thailand. There was, they have about a million gods in Hinduism. And when I was, when I was there, each person had their own different God that was gonna bring their thing, you know, peace or money or health or whatever. And they would have this image of this God. And every morning, they would have these, they would have legitimate idols and, and they'd be right on the side of their building and their little shops, you know, 7-Eleven, you own a 7-Eleven and, and they had a, you go outside, you right before you walked in the front door, there was this little thing and it was a big, it was a big little hole, a big holder for an idol. And this idol would sit there in their little crisscross applesauce way and this God would be the God of usually the God of prosperity. And they would come out first thing in the morning, even before they unlocked their door, and they'd put an orange juice and, a, and an egg so that they gave their God breakfast. And then they'd go have, you know, they'd open up their shop and they'd do work and work. And then at lunchtime, they'd come out and they'd give their God a Coke and a Big Mac, which they're trying to kill him. <laughs> and it would sit there. It would, they would take the breakfast down and throw it away, and then they'd put the lunch up. And I would walk into one of these places, I'm like, that's a three-hour-old Big Mac and a flat Coke. I'm like, are you really worshiping your God? They, they were. And they knew the God wasn't going to drink. You know, they're not stupid. People that worship God aren't ignorant. They're not waiting for this God to come alive and drink the Coke and eat the Big Mac and thanks. They were doing this because they were honoring the image. They knew that the image wasn't the God. The image represented the God. Man, hear me. The image wasn't the God. The image represented the God. We were created in his image and in his likeness. You're not the God. You represent the God. And in that image, we were created. When, when Seth was born, man, I'm about to preach on this, and I'm trying not to. When Seth was born, if you go look it up in Genesis chapter 5, when uh, Seth was born, it said that, and Adam and Eve bore a child 
in their image. Seth was the image of Adam and Eve. And that, word, that language would go down. This is why the Ten Commandments says, you shall not make any graven images. Why should we not have any idols? Why can't I have a statue of Jesus up here? Why is that a violation of the Ten Commandments? Because you're the image of Jesus. The image of Jesus, part of that is a hero. Jesus is the ultimate hero. Every hero story was based on the gospel. Superman, based on the gospel. Really? A guy that comes from another planet that's energized by the sun from the house of El, house of El who can do anything. Are you, Come on. <laughs> the hero, to, the journey to heroism always starts with a defining moment where a difficult choice must be made. Maybe you've had this moment and you failed. God is merciful. You're going to get another one. He's, he's literally famous for being the God of second chances. I had one. I should be divorced with no family, living in Texas, running waffle houses. Dear Jesus, talk about a special kind of hell. God saved me from hell. That's what I deserve. I deserve that. God gave me a second chance. Kay gave me a second chance. My kids gave me a second chance. That, that's who God is. And now I'm up here preaching about it. Remember that whole thing about the more flawed you see someone and God's using them? Yeah, that's me. Completely flawed person. Should not be up here doing what I'm doing. But God. The journey to heroism always starts with a defining moment where a difficult choice must be made. And the journey ends with the eventual sacrificing of one's own life. When you make the right choice, you get to go die. The wrong choice is you prolonging your life. It's you doing your life. This is my life. I'm going to do it my way. No. That's not life. It's fake. You do not have the ability to create life, to sustain life, to energize life. All of that comes from something bigger than you. It comes from him. So if you want his life, you have to die to your life. Amen. You have to live dead. Only through dying do you ever truly live. A hero of God defines themselves by God's definition of hero. It's not the DC world, DC, I was going to say DC talk, DC universe, DC talk. It's not, it's not the DC universe's way of defining what a hero is. It's not Marvel Comics that defines what a hero is. It's not TV that defines it. 
It's not the Disney Channel. Dear Jesus, they haven't had a hero in Disney for a... <sighs> Don't let the world define this. When I'm preaching on this, when you're letting the Lord... Uh, minister to your heart on this, please don't let the world define what God's trying to say. This isn't about being faster than a speeding bullet and able to jump tall buildings. This is about having the character of Christ. What makes one person to be chosen as a hero and another person not. I want you to really consider that. What makes one person sitting right here, let's say we're all on a train together or an airplane or something like that. Ooh, airplane. Let's use 9-11. Or was it 9-11? Yeah, with the planes that... So what... Flight, was it Flight 92? Someone help me. 90, flight 93. So on Flight 93, the reason Flight 93 didn't fly into the Pentagon or wherever it was headed to blow up evil people is because good people in Flight 93 figured out what was going on and they did a heroic thing and took the plane down. What's the difference between those few heroes, let's say call them a dozen, versus all of the other planes and the flights and the stuff and the thing that happened on that same day. What's the difference? They were chosen by God. They were special. An angel flew in and whispered in their ears. We tend to think like there has to be something special about them. There ain't anything different about any one of those people than anybody sitting in a purple chair right now. Got two arms, two legs, and a brain. They did something. Not because they were chosen by God, but because they answered the call of God. What is the difference between those that fall away? That do not believe. That have a peripheral Christian life. That do not enter into his rest. Those of you that are, that are good Bible people, you're hearing tons of verses. I'm, I'm going to wade into these waters and I'm, I'm going to, I believe that I'm going to do this well. But the scriptures are filled with this. The New Testament is filled with this of people that didn't get there, that didn't make it. And we've come up with this false doctrine in Christianity to deal with it because it's hard. It's hard to process that somebody's not going to make it, that someone's going to fail. That they're not going to be in the eternal afterlife in a good position. We just, we just have such a difficult time processing that that we've come up with tons of false doctrines and things that are, that are borderline apostasy to deal with the hard reality that people have consequences for their choices. Right. 
And so now we have this fluffy, limp-wristed, yellow-bellied, courageless, braveless society of people that don't think that there's any accountability whatsoever for their consequences. And so they go and do whatever they want, no matter what terrible, evil, wicked, painful thing it causes some other person to go through. And we just say, well, you know, people make mistakes. We'll give you a trophy. It doesn't work that way with God. God is just. And the fact that I have to say that, and some people are processing that, maybe not here, maybe out there, but there are people that are processing, what do you mean by just? I mean just. Jesus shed blood. That, was for, that wasn't for nothing, y'all. God doesn't shed his blood because he's bored. He needed something to do. And so he, he decided to have his son scourged and hung on a cross until dead. He died of asphyxiation, the breath of life died from not having breath. That was for something. It wasn't for nothing. And I know that most of us are very grateful for that moment, what Jesus did. But please be aware, there's a lot of people that are not grateful for that. That actually live their lives to mock that. I know this is shocking to all of you amazing, awesome, righteous, holy Christians, but there are people that are evil. Amen? Amen. Amen. Don't make me put on the news. (laughs) There's bad people. And some of those bad people think that they're good people. They call abortion health care. Amen. Go ask people. That's what it's called. When when they're mutilating 13-year-olds by cutting off their body parts, they call that health care. They're being compassionate to society because the kids are confused. So we mutilate their bodies? We give them drugs? When I was a kid, if you thought about mutilating your body and taking drugs, you were an idiot, and they sent you to the counselor's office. Now they send you to the counselor's office, and he talks you into taking drugs and mutilating your body. My, my, how the world has changed. There are people that think that they're Christians. (laughs) Oh, boy. Christian means something. It's not a demographic. It's not a political party. It's not a, because you wear a cross around your neck. It's not because you're in a purple chair on Sunday morning. It means you are Christ-like. If you're not, then you're not. And I know this is hard because God forbid a preacher tells you that you're not a Christian. I'm just 
I'm not talking to anybody in here. In fact, none of you qualify. Does that make you feel better now? I'm not talking to anybody in here. This is just a message for future generations that'll turn this in like, oh, thank God that guy preached on that. So nobody in here, this, this is not for you. Preaching to people that don't even, don't even, would never come here. But for those people, if you don't live, act, talk, walk, like Christ, then Christian is not what you are. Oh boy. Amen. You know, it took me 22 messages to get the courage to get to here. And now I'm like feeling my courage flee, flee away. Flee! Run! They're looking at you. People walked up to Jesus one time and said, Lord, in your name, we've prophesied. We've cast out demons. I would like to do this. I've been tempted. I won't do it. So don't respond. But I'd like to actually stand in front of a congregation and say, actually raise your hand if you know that you personally cast a demon out of someone in Jesus' name. Because I'll tell you, we're talking 10%. These people walked up to Jesus and said, look, we cast demons out in your name. We prophesied in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me. Jesus didn't accept people that were prophesying and cashing out demons. You think he's going to accept peripheral Sunday-only Christians? And I'm not, before anybody gets all mad and, and you want to storm out and think, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to shake, to bring conviction, to bring reality to the fact that we have changed the word of God to fit our progressive modern way of thinking because God forbid anybody says anything to you that might melt your snowflake. I'm going to give you the word of God so you don't get mad at me. You can get mad at Jesus. You can get mad at Paul. You can get mad at God. But you're, at some point, you're going to have to take your anger off of me. The concept of saved and lost is a modern progressive idea. Every time you see salvation in the scriptures, it does not mean what you think it means. We transverse in our, our head when we read saved as born again, going to heaven. It's not what that word means. Not what that word means. If you're drowning and I throw you a life raft, you are saved. And if you pop the life raft, you're going down. And you were saved. Well, I thought I was saved. You were. And you did stupid stuff. And now you're dead. <laughs> Amen? Anybody? <laughs> I don't know why this concept is so difficult. It's because we've religiousized everything. And we've even used it around here where we use the term, we, they paid their fire, they bought their fire insurance and they, and they paid it back then and so then they're good to go. You're not going to find fire insurance in the Bible. Amen? God didn't 
didn't want you to, to do that one thing that one time in youth camp. And now you're good to go. You can live any old way you want to because you're good. Right. You, you really think that God is going to be okay with someone that defiles the cross and the blood of Jesus in that way so they can just say, well, hey, I just, I just want to live uh, the sexually free life that I want to live. I don't want to be uh, restrained by the Bible. I want to do what I want to do on Friday night. I want to talk to people the way I want to talk to people because you don't you know some of these people. Okay, that's fine. You just don't get to call yourself part of God's family because that's not how God's family operates. You, go, go do what you want to do. You're free. God, God gave you the permission, the freedom. You can live any way you want to live, especially in today's world. In fact, you can be the most ungodly person in the region and they'll make you the most the most popular person. They'll give you, you'll be a social media influencer. They'll give you Hollywood roles. They'll, I mean, they'll give you money. You'll be on, on uh, commercials, right? In Canada, Hershey's. Oh, dear Jesus, I just said it. <laughs> to celebrate uh, Women's Month in Canada. God bless your former country. They... <laughs> Thank God you came here. Amen. To celebrate Women's Month, they took a transgender man who calls himself, in ignorance, a woman, and then they made the her-she bar. Her, H-E-R-S-H-E bar. And people are buying this to promote transgenderism for women. They made the most important woman in Canada on Women's Month a man. One of the most popular people right now in Canada because he's on a commercial. This is what you get when you play by the world's rules. You will get the rewards of the world. Remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness by Satan, Satan said, hey, all you got to do is bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms and the wealth of the world. You know, that was a legitimate temptation. Satan could have given that to him. You think that he's not offering people that now? If you just do this, I'll give you all of this. And you know, people, because they don't have character, because they don't have God, they'll say, Okay, well, I'll just go ahead and prostitute some of my life to get the thing, right? Because I'm saved. I said the prayer when I was 12 and a half. I went to confirmation. I was confirmed. I was catechized. I was sprinkled when I was eight days old. I'm good. Sealed by the blood of the... No, you're not. There is a believing loyalty that is required from every single person. You have got to be allegiant to God every day, every moment, if you are going to have God be allegiant to you. Amen. We're going to, yeah, good, good point. Let's get to the Bible. Because folks are looking at me like, I can't believe you're doing this. I thought you were making heroes. I am. Unless you fully embrace the nature and the character of God, you cannot be a hero for the kingdom of God. You can be a hero for someone else. Matthew 22, verse 8. 
And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. But those invited were not worthy. Jesus, can you please use some more inclusive language? Why would you say that people aren't worthy? <laughs> My words exactly. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. You, you know what that is? Go get the hippies. Go, go get the stinky hippies because at least they'll come. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. He, he let bad people come. Ooh, Jesus, do you know you let some bad people into the wedding feast? Ooh. Yeah, because you know, sometimes the worse a person is, the more they appreciate, the more they value the good things that God's doing in their life. Amen. Because I almost lost my marriage. Now I have the greatest marriage on the planet. Sometimes you don't value something until you've almost lost it. Both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king, anybody know who the king is? When the king came in to look at the guests, you know what that means? He was judging them. Well, Jesus would never. He just sees me perfect all the time. When Jesus came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man had no wedding garment. What did he have on? What he wanted to wear. We had someone quit our worship team one time years ago, so don't even try to think who it is. That quit our worship team because we all wore the same color on Sunday. And if you haven't figured out the only reason I'm wearing pink right now is because I was forced to by my sister, <laughs> there'll be a healing line right over here after the service. We, all right, stop, ah, stop it. If you ever want to know my commitment to love people, look at this shirt and my sister. This guy quit the worship team because he did not want to wear the color. We don't even have like a major responsibility for what it, I mean, Stacy's wearing parachute pants today, like sweatpants. So it's not like we have like this overt, like over the top requirement for legalism, like up to the neck and we just want to all be basically what the idea is here, just so you guys know, I'm telling you all the back of the house stuff, is we don't want you to be distracted by looking at us. We want you to be so focused on Jesus that you just look up here, there's just basically one color. You're not paying attention to us. You're focused on Jesus. That's, that's basically the point. That's why we all wear the same color, so you don't look at us. <laughs> and this guy quit the worship team because we were cramping his freedom. We were cramping his liberty. And obviously there was other things going on. We tried to minister to, we tried to get him to understand. He's like, well, you guys are just legalistic and you're, it's not legalism. We just don't want you to be the subject of people's worship. 
God isn't putting all these rules on how this stuff works because he's trying to keep people out. He's trying to lock you down. He's trying to restrict you. He's, trying, he's actually trying to create more opportunity for things to get better in our lives. But because we're so self-centered, we're so self-focused when God says, well, you gotta, you gotta wear the wedding clothes to the wedding feast. Well, I don't wanna. Well, then don't come. Amen. You know, if you don't wanna go to church, if you don't want to gather together with the saints on earth, you don't want to gather together with the saints in heaven. I'm sorry. Is that too rough? Is that, can I say it nicer? If you don't want to gather with the saints on earth, if you don't want to be with God's people on earth, why would you want to be with God's people in heaven? Well, I, I'm going to heaven. You don't go to church. Well, that's because I don't like Christians. You, you know, heaven's filled with them. <laughs> filled to the brim. And it just Christians everywhere up there. Well, yeah, but those Christians are fixed. Hmm. What about you? Well, it's just me and the Holy Spirit and the Bible. We're going to get it all fixed right after I get done binging on YouTube. Okay, well... If you don't want to be with God's people on earth, you don't want to be with God's people in heaven. I'm sorry. If you struggle to be in fellowship with God's people, if you really don't like God's people, you just tolerate them because your real friends are at the bar, guess who you're really going to be with in eternity? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. You know what that is? That's that hush you hear when I say stuff that people don't like. He was speechless. Well, I, 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 what's the problem? So I'm not wearing what everybody else wears. Why you got to be such a legalist, Jesus? Then the king said to the attendants. Notice he didn't even say it to the dude. And the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. What? Lord, maybe calm down, like count to 10. <laughs> this is a little bit of an overreaction because the dude got the wrong clothes on. That's because we don't understand the value of what he's saying. He was invited to the wedding of the king. The king. This was it. There was not a greater honor that could have been bestowed. And he didn't earn it. He didn't deserve to be there. He wasn't friends with the king. He wasn't rich. He wasn't awesome. He wasn't a movie star. He was invited because he was in the ditch when the people came by and said, hey, you want to come? The house needs to be full. Yeah, I'll come. He didn't deserve it. And then he showed up arrogant. You don't deserve salvation, y'all. And for us to treat it, me and you, both, you, me, for us to treat it as if it's some secondhand thing that we can just work on willy-nilly whenever we feel like it because we've got really more important things to do. You're in the wrong garment. For many are called, few are chosen.
You know, people have struggled about this statement. Let me break this down in the Greek. Called is klektos in the Greek. Klektos is what we would use in English, the closest word that we'd use would be nominated. Nominated. So there's, there's a position that needs to be filled and someone says, Tabitha. And maybe she's qualified for it, maybe she's not, maybe she fits, maybe she don't, it doesn't matter. Once you've been nominated, you're nominated. And the thing is, God nominated every human for salvation because the blood of Jesus made every human brought into that plan. Every human's been nominated by God, not by me, not, not by some other preacher. God says, I nominate you for salvation, not because you deserve it, not because you're awesome. I'm nominating you because I'm honoring the blood of my son Jesus, that perfect blood that brought you and your DNA into his DNA. You're nominated for salvation. Many are called. Well, then few are chosen. What's chosen? Well, God says, you, not you, and you, and not you, and you, and not you, and you, and oh my God, you. Like, like God is up there doing this, this big election in the sky. That's not what it is. It's when you're nominated, do you answer the call? You know, if someone, if someone said, hey, Steve, uh, the U.S. government's falling apart. We need you to be a senator. I'd say, <laughs> hold on. <sighs> I'd say, if that's the responsibility that I have to do to serve my nation, to take us into the Great Awakening, I will do that. But then I'm not going to show up to the Senate in my Bermuda shorts, slopping gum. All right, what are we going to do in here, buddy? No, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do the job with the excellence that honors the fact that they asked me to do the thing. God's asked you to do the thing. Would he say you honor it? Would his response say that you valued what he's nominated you for? The Greek word here is eklektos. Eklektos. That's where we get the word eclectic. It means something unique, something special. That's the chosen part, where somebody, actually, it's actually unique and special for someone to say, God, you chose me, you nominated me? Yeah, I nominated you. But I don't deserve it, I know. Well, in that case, since I don't deserve it, you nominated me, I'll spend the rest of my life doing this as hard and as good and as deeply as I possibly know how to. That's why you're gonna be part of the eclectic. Romans 2.11, God is no respecter of persons. So if you're sitting in here thinking, Steve's disqualifying me. Nope. Sure not. I'm saying you're nominated. Acts 17.30. The times of ignorance God overlooked. Anybody ever been stupid? Some of y'all need to wake up. The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now, someone say now. Now. He commands 
well, I don't like all those commands in the Bible. I don't think God's a commander. I think he's, a, he's an asker. <laughs> now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Anybody know what all means in the Greek? All. Anybody know what everywhere means in the Greek? Everywhere. Well, that was harder for y'all. <laughs> three syllables. <laughs> it came out quicker than I used my... <laughs> We've been nominated by the king as a chosen people to be his heroes for such a time as this. The chosen one chose you. You're not here by accident. You think you just stumbled in here. You were nominated. Romans 10, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, this word calls doesn't mean like, Jesus! Because that's how we've turned it. That's not what that means. The word literally means that you are putting a legitimate demand upon the nature or the character of God. You don't just call on God like he's your, your bellhop. Like he's your, your, uh, your sonic... On, on roller skates waitress that's coming by with a chili dog. That's not what this means. It literally means that you're placing a demand because you know the character, you know who he is, and you are calling on that name, name, nature, honor, essence, identity. How then will they call on him whom they've not believed in? We believe. Well, what do you believe? Well, believe there's a God. So do the demons. The devil knows there's a God more than most Christians. Doesn't mean he's saved. How are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Ooh. You should say, thank God for Steve. Ah, oh, stop it. That was was not appropriate. How, and, <laughs> verse 15, and how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Check them out. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Wait, what? So you're saying God actually called, ordained, created a preacher, actually sent a preacher, and then people didn't believe him? I know you've never been up on this part, but I can tell you, the number of people that don't believe what you got to say are greater than the number of people that do believe what you got to say. And how can they preach unless they're sent, as is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who's believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Some of us need to hear it more than once. Anybody? I do. God didn't tell me the first time when I was off and running. He had to remind me, usually in my pain. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. You know, this is God saying, you, you don't get to play the card like, I didn't know God. I didn't, 
Nobody told me that this was that important. Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the rest of the world. Verse 19, but I asked, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. I'm going to show you how much I love people with the hippies. And then all you religious people get all angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Why? Because they'd put the garment on. They're going to be honored to be called into the feast. I wake up every day, every day, honored. Honored. I know the life that I could have had. Or the non-life I could have had. I am honored that this is what God says he wants me to do. But of Israel, he says, all day long have I held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Will you come? Not today. Not right now. I've got stuff to do. I'm going to stop. Got something that's really important here. And I'll just make it a part two. What you believe, you live. If you believe that you belong to the holy, righteous creator of the universe, the most high God, you will live a life in action of holiness, of righteousness, as a person who believes that you are the possession, the prized possession of that most high God. If you're not living that life, don't get mad at me. Let the conviction settle in you. It says, what do you really want to have with that life? This is one of those non-jumping, non hanky waving services. But I believe these are the kind of things that actually have the ability to create, to forge in the fire of truth a true hero. That when the bullets come, they melt away. That when the attacks of the enemy come, they melt away. Because you're standing strong with the hero within, able to face any adversary that is trying to hurt humanity because you're a hero. Please rise. I'd like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the beloved family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things, 
that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul your mind your will your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the father desires for you to have we love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.